This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. The assumption is, of course, that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. And if you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our new YouTube channel and consider becoming a member on Patreon. That's right. For just 10 bucks a month, you get access to extended ad-free episodes and exclusive bonus content. And still, we want to answer your fan questions, so email us. Anything you want to know at ClearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com today. Guys, it's season three, episode eight, New York, New York. It was written by Carrie Aaron and directed by Jeffrey Reiner. Here's the NBC synopsis. Jason follows a job opportunity to New York and brings Tim along for the ride. Meanwhile, Tyra is torn between following Cash or her college dream. And we have two unbelievable guests with us today, director of photography, Todd McMullen, and camera operator, Heather Page. But before we chat with them, we're going to discuss this episode's highlights. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't ever have to shake my ass at the landing strip ever again. Well, Billy says that, but you know, Stacey, the best laid plans of mice and men often turn awry. You love that line. I do love that line. I was in of mice and men back in the day. Did you know that? Oh, like I know you played curly and you wore a leather glove. Filled with Vaseline. <laughs> Filled with All Vaseline. Right. Okay, moving on. I appreciate that that's where your head was at, money-wise. I, I thought it was very sweet, yes. but I did shake my junk a little bit later anyway. Okay, this guy, this cash guy, something's up with him and I'm getting weird vibes. You know, Stacey, as Willie Nelson said, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. I'm just going to answer You're everything you say quotes. today with just a just a quote, just a one-liner from some <laughs> other project. By the uncomfortable <laughs> Willie Nelson. I'm not kidding. I want you to do that the but whole But there show. is some truth in what Willie said. I mean, obviously, it's a tough lifestyle. There's a lot that these guys have to go through. So yeah, something is up with cash. Because again, I don't know. I can't tell what it is. But something, you know, like when that hair is on the back of your neck start to stand up and I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Get away from my sister. A lot of red flags in this relationship. And Tyra's picking up on all of them by picking up on none of them. Exactly. Picking up on all of them by liking him even more. Listen, on a TV show, anytime it usually especially is an older man 
the minute they grab their heart or their left arm, I know what's happening. It happened on West Wing and it broke my heart. And now it's happening to Coach Mac. So you've become a fan of Mac McGill? I love him. (laughs) I think he's going to be okay. We'll have to wait and see. But yes, it's a scary moment for all the racists in Dillon, Texas, when Mac McGill is going to a knee. Oh, boy. Okay, fun fact, listeners. I mean, I don't think there's any way you could not know this, but Scott Porter and Taylor Kitsch actually did go to New York City to film these scenes, which like, how fun must that have been? I'm sure they had a blast. I know it was a a really, really small crew, like Jeffrey Reiner, probably Todd McMullen, who's going to be on the show Mm -hmm. later today, but just a skeleton crew of people that went to New York to shoot these scenes. And it looks like they did it like guerrilla style. I mean, I'm sure they had permits and everything else, but like, They're just walking through Times Square. (laughs) They're walking very slowly through Times Square. And as a New Yorker, I would be mad at them. (laughs) For whatever reason, I don't feel like we've talked much about wardrobe. Kathy Kiata, who's our costume designer on Friday Night Lights, did such a wonderful job. It's really crazy to see Riggins, for instance, walking through Times Square in his Riggins outfits. It feels like it's out of place. It doesn't fit. But it feels so in place in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think we've given enough credit to wardrobe on this show. There's nothing flashy about it. You're not in massive, beautiful expensive, exotic ball gowns. There's nobody here that's a fashion icon. No labels, no name brands. Yeah, there's no labels, there's no name brands, but it felt real and it feels real and it feels authentic. And it feels authentic still in New York, but it feels out of place in New York. And it's the first time really and truly that I've kind of thought about wardrobe on this show because all of a sudden when it's taken out of Texas, Mm -hmm. now it's like, wow, they're wearing costumes. And I never thought of it as like (laughs) costumes before, but they're costumes. And that's just a testament to our wardrobe department, specifically Kathy, who did Mm -hmm. such a wonderful job of dressing all of us on this show that it becomes something that you don't think about. It's just, oh no, that's just normal attire. Would you call that the 13th man would be costume? Sure, the 13th So I had another visceral reaction to it in kind of the same way. I live in New York. And so seeing street and Riggins, these characters that I, over the past couple of months, have grown to love in my city, mm. blew my mind. It threw me for a loop. And like unfairly, it took me out. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I, like get, I get it, though. But I mean, they are. They are definitely fish out of water. They're supposed to be. It's supposed to yeah. feel that way. It, these characters are not supposed to be in this city. Riggins talking about going to see a Broadway show. It's like, what? It doesn't feel right. But it's weird. It's great. I mean, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Also. Mr. Fancy Pants, New York sports agent guy. Mm -hmm. He was the one that put the idea in Street's head in the first place. And now Street goes there. Like, granted, he didn't have an appointment or whatever, but now the guy's being a jackass. Yeah, it reminds me of like one of the first meetings I had with an agency in New York. I was fresh out of college. I had no credits on my resume. And this agent called me into her office. I'm excited as a young actor. You know, I'm meeting with a big agency. She's looking at my resume and she's, you have nothing on your resume. It's all college credits. And I'm like, I just graduated from college. And she's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? You're supposed to do your job. And I'm like, you called me. Like, why did you call me if you don't, like, I understand if you don't want to sign me, that's fine. But if you called me in here just to berate me because I don't have credits, like, that's the catch 22 of being an actor in this business is that when you start out, you don't have credits. That's why you need an agent so you can get those credits. But she's sitting here going, you don't have any credits. What am I supposed to do with that? And I'm like, Why'd you call me in here? It made me feel the same way about this situation with Scott and, and this 
highfalutin agent. It's like, you told me to contact you. Agent's gonna agent. Yeah, you told me to contact you if I was ever in New York. Well, I'm in New York and I'm contacting you and now you're telling me you got nothing for me. You gave me your card, sir. Yeah. These two just cracked me up this whole time. I would say Jason Street doesn't seem to want to go see a Broadway show, but dollars to donuts, I bet you Scott Porter would because he used to do them and he has a rid ridiculously good singing voice. Also, how does Tim Riggins know that Gypsy is about strippers? I think you just answered your own question there, Stacey. I did. I don't know how. Because it's strippers. Anything strippers, Tim Riggins is going to know about. It's like, let's go see Bernadette Peters and strippers. (laughs) (laughs) Bernadette Peters is not the allure to this show. It's just the strippers. Tim Riggins would not be happy with the strippers and Gypsy. No, I don't think he would be. One has a trumpet, one has butterfly (laughs) wing. They're not the type. I think he'd be disappointed. Yes, probably. But in his mind, I'm sure all he's thinking is strippers. They're strippers. They're, they're going to see strippers. I think they did go see the show, and I want to watch that. I want to watch them watch <laughs> You want to watch them watching Gypsy? Yes! I would die for that. Oh, Lord. Also, Tim Riggins, I think maybe just gave a Coach Taylor-style pep talk to Street with, like, actual good advice about going to get the player. Spectacular advice. Tim Riggins is now pulling out all kinds of stuff. Remember when he said all the scared rats are leaving a sinking market? That's when the real entrepreneur steps in. I mean, Tim Riggins might be the smartest person in all of Dillon, Texas. Secretly, is he the smartest? Secretly the smartest person in Dillon. He's the Socrates of Dillon. Maybe just like, well, every one in a hundred is a gem. Maybe that's what (laughs) happened. Exactly. Mr. 2%. Okay, so in a very weird moment when she's supposed to be going into a meeting, Tyra takes a phone call. And it's cash. And she, again, at a very awkward time, says, are you going to be faithful to me when you're gone? And as much as cash has my spidey senses up, he was at least kind of honest about his life on the road. I appreciated it. I appreciate the honesty, but it does show that this guy's not that great a guy. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be faithful to you when I'm gone. Like, He said he'd try. Yeah, but that should be a sign right there that, hey, you know what? If I have to have eyes on you 24-7 so that you won't Mm. cheat on me, then maybe we're not in the right relationship. Yeah, that would be one of those red flags. Mm -hmm. (sighs) But yeah, I mean, good on him for being honest. I guess. Uh, yeah, okay, he gets one good point here. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. Meanwhile, I just got to tell you, this Saracen coach Tammy Julie dinner scene, it's brilliant. It's another one of those lovely, awkward Dylan Texas dinner scenes, mm. but it leads to a beautiful moment out in the middle of the street with Saracen running football patterns, trying to prove to coach that he's got what it takes to be a wide receiver. I just loved every second of that scene. Am I crazy? Is it editing or does Kyle have like a really good arm? No, I think Kyle's got a pretty decent arm. His throwing motion's really not bad. Good. Throwing motion's not bad at all. And that's something that you can't hide. Now, I don't know right. what kind of zip he's got on the ball. I don't know who was actually throwing the balls. Maybe it was really him. good. But throwing motion, like that's what I got. I got a good throwing motion and pus for you got an that arm. good shoulder. But I love afterwards he was like, oh, now, now I'm it. in pain. That yes. hurt very he bad. He whispers, it to, he's not going to say that <laughs> in front of Sarah. Somebody's like, I need some Tylenol. My shoulder's killing me. And she's like, maybe you haven't thrown like that <laughs> in sorry. years. And I love that he admits that he overthrew him on the last pass. It's just Friday Night Lights, man. Yeah, he said it was a bad pass. The women in his life, they could make the biggest choices. It was Julie yeah. being like, just why didn't you try it? Like, why I love it, yeah. Like and that? she's talking football at dinner. And he's like, can we please not talk football at dinner? <laughs> She's like, that's all we do in this house. She's like, that's all we do. (laughs) Now I can't talk about it. Yeah, she's using it against him. I love it. Oh, Tyra Collette, you beautiful, beautiful idiot. Packing her bags. Yeah. Jumping in a pickup truck. Leaving when she's the president. 
and she's done all of this work and her GPA is up and there are other college interviews she has and she just bolts. It's beyond disappointing as a viewer to watch it and a person who roots for Tyra. You're going, what are you doing? You know what it feels like, Stacey? I am not a parent, but it feels like being a parent. You're sitting here, you know that this is not going to end well. We know it as viewers and you have to sit there and watch this person you love make these stupid decisions but you know that they got to make them on their own. You can't make the decision for them. But it's a decision that's going to have such a domino effect on yes. every other thing after it. Oh, I want to yeah. shake her. I don't know. Maybe she'll come to her senses. Love makes you do crazy I know things. what happens. And I think she might come to her senses. I just wrote down here in my notes, could I love Coach and Tammy more than I do? Nope. I don't actually remember what scene that was for, <laughs> but I love them. And their relationship. <laughs> and that's what I wrote down. I couldn't tell you what scene you're talking about either. It might be the it fact. It be that, right at the end. Yeah, it's right at the end of the episode. But yeah, I, I think it's in reference to what just happened with Saracen and their whole situation, right? Something beautiful. and Something beautiful happened something between Coach amazing. and Tammy in this episode of Friday Night Lights. Just, God, I love them. Can we talk, though, about the main arc of this episode is basically us saying goodbye to Jason Street. And this final moment that he has with him and Taylor at the doorstep of his baby mama's house. Mm -hmm. And this is the last we're going to see of Street, basically. That taxi cab ride was incredibly expensive because they took a cat to have from the city to some residential New Jersey place. And Tim's going to have to go back. But he's got all that money from flipping houses. Just two actors doing their best work. Taylor Kitchen, Scott Porter. It was gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, we've taken such a journey with all these characters so far on this show. It gets harder week by week in this season to be saying goodbye to these characters that you love. We've already had to mm. say goodbye to Gaius and Liz yeah. Michael. And now we're saying goodbye to Scott Porter here and Jason Street. It's like the end of an era. And I'm going to miss that friendship particularly. Yeah. yeah. You know how I feel about emotions? I don't like them and I feel things. It's tough, but it's one of the things that I think separates Friday Night Lights from other shows, as we've talked about before. These characters graduate. These characters move on. They're not going to stay in Dillon, Texas at the high school. It's realistic and it's tough to say goodbye to these characters. We've invested relationships with them. This season is just a series of goodbyes and next season's the same way, you know? Oh, it's just gosh. slowly peeling off characters that you love on this show. You can't take it. What if I just quit the podcast right now and I stop watching Friday Night Lights forever? <laughs> In real life, Scott Porter would come back to Austin a lot, actually, because Scott Porter's girlfriend at the time and now his wife no was still living in Austin. So Scott would come back quite a bit. And so I got to see and hang out with Scott multiple mm. times after this. But it was an end of an era for all of us on the show. I mean, Scott was behind the scenes, good buddies with all of us. Yeah. It's hard every single time on this show to say goodbye to these people. It's only going to get worse from here. I can feel it. I know. Well, guys, that is the end of the rewatch portion, but it is not the end of the episode. We still have Todd McMullen, director of photography, and Heather Page coming on. So please stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
We are delighted to have both Heather Page and Todd McMullen on the show with us today. We're getting two for the price of one here. Todd has been a camera operator slash assistant on such projects as Casino, Broken Arrow, Can't Hardly Wait, The Green Mile, Nurse Betty, Miss Congeniality, The Majestic, Superman Returns, Infamous, and he has worked as a DP, which is a director of photography, on The Newsroom, Prime Suspect, The Leftovers, Santa Clarita Diet, Waco, Dirty John, The Sun, Walker, Panic, and of course, the role that no one could ever forget as football scout Miami Pete in season two, episode seven of Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Heather Page has been a camera assistant and a camera operator on Universal Soldier, Karina Karina, Crimson Tide, The Rock, The Practice, Con Air, Scream 2, Armageddon, Ed TV, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, The Green Mile, The Majestic, Scooby-Doo, Seabiscuit, There Will Be Blood, My Generation, and Revenge. Mm-hmm. She was also the director of the Texas Film Commission from 2012 to 2017. Thank you both for coming on the show with us today. Thanks for having us. I did notice as I was reading out their credits, and I'm sure that our audience noticed as well, that you guys have worked together on a couple of different projects. Does that mean that you two are a couple? What's going on here? Hmm. For our listeners that don't know, you guys have been married for quite some time now. You were married when we were working on Friday Night Lights together. So when did you guys meet? How did you guys meet? We met on The Green Mile. I had worked on the movie as the first assistant for, I don't know, four, four and a half months. All of that was on stage. And we were going to go to Nashville for the last three weeks of exteriors. And they brought on an additional second unit DP. And he brought Todd as the additional assistant. And we met in, I mean, essentially we met in Nashville for the last three weeks of shooting the Green Mile. And that was it. She checked out my credentials. So your readers know she was looking to see who this guy was. Yeah, and yeah, you got to Google. lo and behold, we had the same birthdays one year apart. That's crazy. You have the same birthday? One yeah. year apart. Isn't that something? I had never met Todd before and I was really like, you better be good because this show has been going really well. And it was hard bringing someone new into the fold after four, four and a half months. I tried to break the ice a little bit and I saw on his deal memo that that was his birthday. And he's like, how do you know what my birthday is? And I was like, well, because I looked at your deal memo because I'm good at my job. Yeah, that's great. That's great. (laughs) Did the crew cry as much filming Green Mile as the rest of us did who watched it? I don't think so. It wasn't, it might have been a different type of tears at the time. Even, (laughs) I get that. Even thinking about that movie or that book makes me start to well up. Yeah. Okay, so I want to get a little technical real quick for our listeners at home. What is the difference between a camera operator and a director of photography? They're vastly different, but I don't think that maybe some of our listeners would know what a director of photography is exactly, sometimes called a cinematographer. Good question, Todd. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in general, a cinematographer is kind of responsible for maybe some of the equipment that might be choose to shoot a certain project, some of the lighting, the tone of how some of that lighting works, some of the camera moves some of the more technical parts in getting what the director wants creatively. Whatever his tone is, is I want it to look like this soft, wonderful, romantic thing, as opposed to I want it to look like a comedy, really bright. So I think the cinematographer will interpret that, work with what he knows and his gaffer, his grip, his operators, to make sure that's achieved through equipment, lighting, things of that sort. When we talk about equipment, I mean, that's one of the things that made Friday Night Lights, Stacey and I have talked about this numerous times on the show, just how different the shooting style for Friday Night Lights was. Can you explain what made Friday Night Lights style so unique? We use 16 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. We use small cameras, 16. Mm-hmm. So each operator wasn't tethered to a whole group of people and a dolly grip and assistants. 
they literally had that camera on their shoulder and they could go find great shots. They had it zoom. So the way I think it worked with Friday Night Lights is because we had always three cameras and you guys saw this or people everywhere mm-hmm. that we were able to go a little longer lens because it became too close to everybody and went with a wide lens, you'd see the other operators, which mm-hmm. we saw a lot of the times in the show. But with three zooms, we were able to pull back, find spaces and let you guys do your acting and what you needed to do away from what we were trying to do. Right. And we would have no clue how like a camera could be feet and feet and feet and feet away, but still be a close up. And it's like, we didn't have any clue. How was it handed to you like by Pete and the creatives as like, this is the style that we're shooting. This is what it's going to be. Well, that was really interesting because obviously Pete did the pilot and then Jeffrey moved us on to the show. He would just kind of whisper in all of our ears or just directly tell us, find cool stuff. He was like, be a storyteller. What would you do? As a camera operator, you never hear what would you do. You're always told what to do. And since we had these zoom lenses, we were almost like a little sports team ourselves. We'd get in a circle and ask each other, okay, why don't you go to that corner? I'll go to that corner. I'll go over there. And you've got your Zoom. Just find interesting stuff. That's how we started off. And since it was handheld, it was that way. But sometimes when we get bored or we find something that was interesting that wasn't necessarily the conversation in a traditional angle, we might just sort of tilt down and find somebody whose fingers were fidgeting. And that told a lot of the story too. And they loved that. So it was like, go get us more of that. Stacy and I were literally talking about that in an episode a couple weeks back because there's this wonderful scene where Matt and Julie are in this grocery store and Grandma Saracen is having an argument with Coach Taylor. She's like, I can't believe you're not starting him this week, blah, 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 blah. C-camera catches Matt and Julie's feet. And they're and just it's kind just of like their little, their little teenage feet, like on top of their own converse, being a little awkward. And it was so beautiful. Yeah. And then there's always the like Grandma Saracen doing something with her hands that like wouldn't be caught in another show. Things are just beautiful that make it like you're right. It's more of storytelling. I know more about those characters by what that camera is telling me that I wouldn't see on any other show. Yeah, it was very organic that way. A lot of times we get snuffed out of a shot and have to look at something. And I remember specifically to Grandma Saracen's feet, I remember we were in the Saracen house and Grandma Saracen just kept kind of patting her feet up and down. And I don't remember what was happening at the time, but I just kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye. And I just like went straight down and saw it. And it became this wonderful moment of storytelling Mm -hmm. with her character. And it was so cool. I've got to mention, you know, Dave Boyd, the original cinematographer, oh, yeah. and, and Pete and put this thing together. I don't want to say they threw it out there. I'm sure they talked about some things they wanted to do. But for the most part, they said, here's how we'd like to do it. Let's just go for it. A lot yeah. of trust. And how Dave lit a lot of that stuff and made that work was brilliant. You had mentioned briefly that Friday Night Lights was shot on 16 millimeter. And so for most of us at home, that doesn't really mean anything. But I think most films and television shows, if they're shot on film or shot on 35 millimeter, which is more crisp, it's got more depth of feel. But a 16 millimeter is very grainy and it's got a very naturalistic kind of feel to it or very raw. What would you describe as the big difference between a 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter? Yeah, just how much information you can get on the celluloid. 16, as good as it looks and as freeing as it is, it can hold more highlights. I mean, in other words, you don't have to light as much sometimes Mm. as opposed to our viewers who are probably watching a lot of HD, you know, how clean and crisp that looks. You watch some 16, you'll look in the blacks and you'll see little things floating around and that's your grain structure. 35 has a little less grain structure because it's a little cleaner, but 16, you can see that. And that's what gives it that wonderful look, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, also the cameras are lighter. 
I mean, mm. significantly lighter. I mean, 16 mil cameras are partially designed for documentary work, which sort of suited the look for us perfectly. That makes so much sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'd never thought of it in that respect. But that. When people say Friday Night Lights has a documentary style feel mm. to it, I think it's probably, as you said, Heather, we may not be able to pick it up, but we do recognize, hey, this reminds me of a documentary. Mm -hmm. But there's something else that reminds us of a documentary when we watch a show like Friday Night Lights. And I think that's the, the handheld camera work, the steady cam. Can you speak to that, Heather, especially being a woman in a predominantly male business? I mean, you guys are walking around. I know you said the 16 millimeter cameras are lighter, but these are still big ass cameras. And you're toting this thing around. There's not a lot of women in this business that are camera operators. I know one camera assistant and like a couple of focus pullers. I don't know another female camera op besides you. You're the only one I've worked with. I've worked with female DPs, but you're the only one. Hmm. How did you get into this? I started as a camera PA, just like, hmm. you know, a lot of people do. And I mean, I just worked my way up and I was very fortunate to have very supportive people along the way, directors and directors of photography and camera operators. I just work with so many great camera operators and I was a focus puller for a long, long time. And I loved that job. And I loved the people that I worked with on those shows. They encouraged me to move up. First guy to move me up was actually Dave Tattersall from The Green Mile. And he moved me up on his next movie. Oh, and wow. then the guy who moved me up on commercials was John Schwartzman. And through that conversion time too, there were a lot of just very encouraging directors of photography. I mean, you know, I worked with people who wanted me there and I worked with people who didn't want me there. But fortunately, I worked with people who valued me being there and hired me again and again. And you just work real hard, just like everybody else. And I'm really, really lucky. And then how fun is it to get to work with your boyfriend, soon to be husband, <laughs> and then husband? At first, we were like, how's this going to work out? But you know, <laughs> it actually has. It was really funny when we did the season two of Friday Night Lights and Todd moved up, I decided to bow out for half of the season so that he could get his sea legs without telling his wife what to do. That's very sweet. <laughs> and then I came back because, you know, eh, you know, not everybody feels so good about that kind of nepotism. And I wanted him to succeed. And yeah, it feels very Tammy Taylor to coach, yeah. actually. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we had Michael Waxman on and so many people from Friday Night Lights started out in one position and moved up exponentially as the show went on. I mean, Michael Waxman started out as a first AD, and by the time the show was over with, he was basically the directing showrunner of Friday Night Lights. You started out as a camera operator on the show, Todd, and by, I think, yeah, season two, you mm -hmm. were now taking over David Boyd's duties, and you became the DP on the show and were the director of photography for seasons, was it two through five? Yeah. And you also directed episodes of yeah. Friday Night Lights. Well, I think that's the beauty of the show. I mean, first of all, thanks to Jeffrey Reiner for having the faith and trust and allowing me to do that. But I think the core of the show with people moving up, the freedom to shoot what we want to shoot, the freedom for you guys to act kind of how you want to act, maybe a few ad-libs here and there, which there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, the whole <laughs> thing was, to me, was so organic that we were all part of this thing that everybody told their story, then it came together later. I think it makes sense that way, why the show was so spectacular is because you would stick around Friday Night Lights long enough, you might even become a producer. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. It's yeah. like you're in the right place at the right time because we were all family. We knew the show and we were trusted by everybody and we made it great. 
It was inevitable, I think. And we had Nan Bernstein on too, and she said we had a, a what percentage was it? Was it like a 93% brew rate that stayed with the show the entire time? Yeah, it was something insane like that. Insanely yeah, I mean, high. Yeah, that kept coming back year after year, which like doesn't happen. Yeah, and we also had short hours, if you recall. And I remember yeah, we were all fast. like, we're not making any money with these short hours. <laughs> and then by the time we were done, we were all so used to going home, except for Saturdays and nights and stuff. We were so used to actually being able to go and have a cocktail and a, yep. see our family for dinner or whatever, that on those rare nights when we worked 12 hours, people were grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. When those. you had like an actual filming day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember Jeffrey Reiner losing it on me one time because I had just shot some scene and I walked over to him and I go, my rap yet? And he's like, you know, you people, he's like, you have no clue what it's like on another show. You've been here for two hours. Sit down. And I was like, what? <laughs> Trying to get out on the boat, man. Come on. Right. Come on, man. Can't just wait for me, man. That's so true. <laughs> well, you know, you guys mentioned about the whole thing about being around long enough or in the right place. I'm not sure if it was that Miami Pete thing that I got thrown into to act yes. in or not act, but, you know, be part of. But there was another part where we're standing around and we were shooting Gaius at the doorway and another scout was supposed to come up to him. And I can't remember if that was the same person. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you see the PAs running up to, I think it was Jeffrey. And he's like, he's got a little, little conversation going and they kind of see this, like something's really happening. And then he looks over at me, he goes, you come here. You know, he knew who I was. Yeah. All right. Well, we lost this actor because he didn't have an I-9. You are going to be that guy. Can you do it? I'm like, oh, are you kidding? I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, just try it. So next thing I know, I'm out of my mind in front of Gaius trying to act at the door. So that, that is Jeffrey Reiner too. Years ago, Joey Oglesby and I used to live next door to each other. And we have a friend who was working as a PA on one of Jeffrey's shows. I think the show was The Event or something like that. I can't remember. This PA called Joey and I and he said, hey, Reiner wants to see you guys. He's on the lot at Paramount. And I'm like, yeah, let's go see Reiner. So we go <laughs> over to the Paramount lot. We show up and Reiner's like, what's going on? How you doing? He's like, when I call you, come. That's right. <laughs> you know, being Reiner. <laughs> And so we're sitting there and he's like, hey, you want to be on this show? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, you. And he points to some actor who's in the middle of a scene. And he's like, get out of here. Get that costume off and give it to this guy. I'm like, no, we're not doing that, dude. He's That's like, I'll funny. take, I'll, I'll, you can have that I'll guy's do, job I'll right now. And I'm right like, now. yes, no, right. <laughs> no. This poor guy's sitting there. His eyes are wide. He's like a day player on the show. And Jeffrey's like basically telling him to give me his costume. I talked Jeffrey off the ledge, but that's Jeffrey Reiner. You know? We did the same thing when they shut down Hollywood Boulevard, which they've never done before to shoot Wonder Woman, the pilot yeah. that Jeffrey Reiner did with Annie. And so Derek and I and a couple of people just showed up. We were like hanging out with the paparazzi shooting and Jeffrey comes by like on a dolly with the camera and he's like, what, what, why are you, what are you doing here? Like, we just wanted to watch some Wonder Woman. <laughs> Here's another question for you, Heather. You became the head of the Texas Film Commission. Can you talk to us about how that came about and also what your job entailed? Well, Friday Night Lights, we had finished the fifth season. Todd and I went back. I can't remember what show you were working on, Todd. Was that the newsroom, maybe? We'd both gone back to L.A. to work for Todd to work on a show. And then I hopped on extra days on Revenge. I had applied for the job of film commissioner. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. I'm a crew person. They always hire other types of people. I'm just a crew person. I had a first interview where like before I went in, I didn't even have the slightest idea what to wear. So Kathy Chiata, who was the costume designer on Friday Night Lights, I called her and I was like, 
I need you to help me. I don't know how to dress myself for an interview for a job like this. So she's like, okay, we're going to Neiman Marcus last call. We're going to find you an outfit. And so I found an outfit, went in for an interview, and then it was terrible. And then I got another interview and another interview, and I had five interviews. And the last interview was with Governor Rick Perry. And it was pretty crazy. And I think I got one more interview than most other people because they just couldn't figure me out. And I didn't even know what to say. So I think they gave me a second shot. And once I started to be myself and not try and answer questions that I didn't understand, things went a lot better. So I got the job. I actually was offered the job while I was on the dolly, like 30 seconds away from starting a shot on revenge. And they were like, this is the governor's office calling. And I'm like, hold on, we're rolling. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, and I'm doing the shot and then cut. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, this is the governor's office. And I never really put it together that that was the film commission because I thought it was the Texas Film Commission, but it was within the office of the governor's office. So she offered me this job in between takes on revenge and told me I needed to start the next week. And we weren't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for that, but I did. And fortunately, I'd had five interviews, so I had at least five outfits to wear. I just started. And the only thing that I remember saying to them was, if I can't sort of do the things I know we need to do, I'm not the right person for you. And Governor Perry was like, it's yours. If you need me, let me know. So, you know, we worked to bring production to the state. I did some tweaking to the incentive program and was able to make it more competitive, which ultimately has wound up bringing more production to the state, although we still don't get enough funding to really make that huge, like in Mm -hmm. other states. But that was my job was to sort of sell the state for production. And people want to be here. They love it here. The studios love it. Indies love it. Everybody likes being here. And we just had to do in that office what we could to help cross the threshold so they could bring a production here. And so that's what I did for five years. As an actor and having worked in multiple states outside of Texas and in California, there's only a certain amount of crews per state that actually know what they're doing. And there's like an A crew, a B crew, a C crew kind of thing. And Texas is one of the few where you've got three or four, maybe even more than that, five solid crews. I remember when Atlanta started to blow up, I shot a pilot there about 12 years ago. And yeah, they were solid on one or two crews. But then once you got a little bit deeper, once you got into like the third project or the fourth project, there just wasn't enough crew to go around. And that was one of the things that I think Texas had an advantage on early on when all these productions were leaving Los Angeles. But yeah, it's just something I've kind of noticed going around from state to state and working on different projects, how professional the crews were in Texas and how they know their stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why, even though our incentives aren't quite as high as other people's incentives, we have a good business climate here. We have really top crew. So you don't need to bring as many people in as you might want to do otherwise. I mean, you can go from top to bottom. We've got directors of photography. We've got everything you need here. And little by little, that winds up balancing the act. And it's hard to prove that to people sometimes, but you just work really hard. And once people have that experience, with it. They try to come back because they do know that they can save some money. Even they can balance it out. There are other ways to do it. It was also really interesting to me. I remember the fifth season of Friday Night Lights, our show was ending. And so people started to leave Friday Night Lights. There was a new show being shot in town 
called My Generation. I know you guys worked on oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the fifth season of Friday Night Lights and Taylor Kitsch and I were driving down the road one day and all of a sudden there was a roadblock in the middle of like 6th Street. And as we pull up, it's one of our PAs and he's like, hey guys, what's going on? And we're like, hey, what, what's up? We're trying to get through. And he's like, oh yeah, we're stopped shooting for uh, My Generation. And I'm like, are you on my generation? Because <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, some of our crew was leaving to go work on Dare this you. new show. And like Taylor Kitchen, I would kind of had the run of the city. Now we're being told we have to, to go around. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? This used to be our town. And it's like, not anymore, man. Right. <laughs> you guys are out. We're the old guys. You guys are out. Yeah. So Todd, you were shooting Newsroom and I was shooting bunheads at the same time and our trailers were like right next to each other our studios were right next to each other and I think about to go from Friday Night Lights to those two incredibly different stylistically looking shows and how just amazing and fun and creative a job can be it made me very happy but I do want to ask both of you if you have a favorite FNL moment. And I want to tell you mine really fast because I'm looking at Heather's face. So (laughs) this scene, Derek and I were on the bed and I was crying and upset because we were having twins. And I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work out. And I'm sobbing and I'm just looking around before we start rolling. And I'm like, what? There's only two cameras. Where's Heather? And very, very slowly, the closet door slides (laughs) this way. And Heather like, waves and then she closes the closet door and I was like that's the creepiest thing I've ever seen awesome (laughs) we did jokingly call you guys snipers though because there were a lot of times where we didn't know where you were but it also is an actor sometimes you need to know where camera is you know if you're being shot with one camera you need to know if you're in a medium or a wide and blah 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 you know but on Friday Night Lights it was so freeing as an actor because we didn't need to think about that I knew if there were three cameras rolling in every scene I didn't have to worry about where I was standing or what I was like. I knew you guys were going to get it. So then it just left me open to just be in the scene. I didn't have to think about where I was standing or am I blocking camera A from camera B. I knew you guys were getting the coverage. So it it just freed me up as an actor to be able to just act. Haven't had that since. No. Do you guys have a favorite or like a a time that stands out for you? I have a favorite and a not favorite. It's the same thing. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Please, nice. And then I have just a general favorite. My general favorite is I've never worked on a show where I have cried while watching through the lens to the point Mm. where, and on the things that wouldn't normally make you cry. But I was constantly like, I had to have a handkerchief in my pocket because I'd fog up the eyepiece crying and I couldn't see. And so there would be times I'm just holding the camera, but my head is way far away from it. And this is when we are still using eyepieces, not like video monitors and stuff like that. But just to help the focus puller out, I had to keep clearing it. And it was just these moments would happen where the performances were just so honest that you just couldn't believe that you were the person to witness and put that down. It was really an honor to be let in like that. But my favorite is also not my favorite, which was Mud Bowl. That's the everybody's. Have we all been scarred by Mud Bowl? Yes. Liz, Liz, Michael, Michael Waxman, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I just remember going home and I was like, this is like having been at the beach all day. I've got dirt where I cannot believe it. And it was a 20 minute (laughs) shower to get clean. It was literally like a week and a half later. And I would still Q-tipping my ears and dirt was coming out. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. It was gross. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just gave into the fact that you were going to eat some and you were going to just be wet from 
I mean, I remember how like I had my hood tied so tight so that I could only get my eyepiece out of it. And, you know, it didn't matter. And you just gave up. And we all started really with a lot of clothing. And by the end of the show, we just had stripped it all off because there was no point in it. Yeah. 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 There were so many moments, though. I mean, as you guys can attest to, because we did so many great things to remember everything. It was in collective, all great. I remember... When I first saw the pilot, there was a shot. I think we were going to go into the little kids playing on the field, just a little Mm -hmm. montage. And the camera was in the back of a truck, but it stayed on a tree for like 10 seconds. Nobody in their right mind would ever hold a shot that long. And then it goes on to the the players. And once I saw that, I said, okay, this is going to be special. This is going to be a different type of show. We're not going to be in any hurry to get to the next thing, you know? That was a moment that was after we already shot it. But I remember a moment being in the back of the, I guess it was a station wagon with Saracen and Plemons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Saracen's just driving and Plemons just looking at the newspaper reading, oh, they say you're going to do this or this is the QB. And we're behind it. It was just so one of those scenes that was so easy, but I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a fun show because they're just letting this thing ride. There's no goal to get to it. Just kind of feel the moment. They'd let him play. Yeah. It was really cool. Letting it breathe. That was something too. I mean, even the way we shoot driving scenes on a show like Friday Night Lights is different than every other show that I've ever worked on. I mean, usually you've got all this camera equipment that's set up on a camera car. Sometimes you're literally on a trailer and you're not actually driving. But like if an actor was driving on Friday Night Lights, they were driving and there was a camera person, Heather or whoever. Oh yeah, we did. Just in the tightest spaces, driving down the road, holding this camera while Taylor Kitsch and I are going over bumps or or whatever it was. And that was the best part of his truck. He had like a wide, I don't know if it was an F-150 or whatever, but old, old school. So you could get really great shots. I would sit in the passenger seat right next to him and push all the way up against the side of it. But there was a lot to be had there. It wasn't just like being right on him because there was room to move. It was great. And the car to car. I mean, I will let your listeners know, shooting in Texas, we had a bit of freedom early on. I mean, we'd be in a regular pickup truck following you guys car to car sometimes going 60 70 miles an hour then we had to get the van made because we almost got killed on one time a branch almost took me out i remember that and then nan found out she goes nah we better not do that anymore so that's when she got the mini any built and we kind of upped our game a little bit because we had seat belts but that was about it (laughs) thank god but ahead of time it was like free form you go for it man just okay get two cameras back of this pickup We're going to go with that pickup or whatever and go. We were lean and mean. And when we would go from one location to the next, and you know, as you've probably said a million times, we do three or four or five locations in a day. Mm -hmm. Since we were all 16 mil, we could basically throw the cameras in bags. So the entire camera crew with Todd driving the van would go from one location to the next location. But we're like, there are nine or 11 of us shoved in this little minivan, you know, because everything's been taken out. So we're just sitting on the floor and we get to the next location and we are ready to shoot. It's none of this like slow it on down, wait for all the trucks to show up. The camera crew was there. One of the rare times on any shoot where the camera department is ready before the actors is ready before. I mean, it, and that's the truth. Yeah. I remember one time asking for last looks and Heather goes, how long have you been on this show? <laughs> <laughs> looks. And I was like, sorry, Heather. I, I got a bit I want to take care of. <laughs> Why did you 
mean? I had a zip that I wanted to look at. God. Heather, let me know real uh, quick. Just shut up, you pansy actor. But no, yeah. it was family because we did family <laughs> of course, then. Of course. Yeah, that and was you. five years into it. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so many wonderful memories on this show. I don't know why I'm even thinking about this, but I remember footage of you guys dragging the Riggins family couch. I'm uh, glad you I brought you that were dragging it on the camera truck, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember, but yeah, you guys yeah. were dragging it around the football field because this thing was covered with like yeah, lice. And, oh God, it smelled so bad. It was the most disgusting couch and they just dragged it around the football field when we were done with that. I think yeah. it's when Mindy moved in and things got a little bit cleaner in the a little bit cleaner. Oh, that space smelled yeah. Ooh, so awful. We know, we've, we've talked that. about it, but yeah, the it's, we've it's so it. gross. <laughs> so gross. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? Is there a question that we neglected to ask you that you would love to answer? Or? I could go on about Friday night lunch <laughs> all night This is long. why Derek and I started a podcast. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I got to say, we have all become family. People say that at the end of shows, but it's amazing that this many years out from the project, you know, we're what, 10 years now, almost 11, that we're all still really darn close with each other from crew members to crew and cast and cast, obviously. It was a life changing experience. You know, I did a few shows afterwards. Todd's done a ton and you guys have done a ton as well. And it is really hard to compare that experience. It will always be a really unique experience for us and one of the best experiences of my career. For sure. sure. You always say we're going to stay family and stay in touch and it doesn't actually really happen, but with this show, it happened. And it kind of helps that we're in Austin because people, even as they move on, everybody loves to come back to Austin. So Mm -hmm. that's been really kind of fun too. I look at the crossover when I was just reading off you guys' resume earlier today and it's like, oh, Taylor worked on Waco with Todd and then Todd right, and Dirty with John with Connie. Dirty and John with, with Connie yeah. and Jeffrey Reiner and Steve Walters, who's on our show, and mm-hmm. Dan Bernstein, who was on our show. So, I mean, there's been all this crossover and it's a wonderful thing. We all kind of keep bumping into each other. You know, for me, just taking away is it's smart, efficient TV. We all got these other jobs and we're at because people saw that goes, we want to do things like Friday Night Lights. Now they can't because you can't duplicate that without ever going full in. Yeah. But I think the reason we're all doing as well is because they see how we were efficient and how good the show was in our efficiency and how it looked and all those things. You had to be a team. If one person had was messing that up, they would have to go. Do you guys still get asked, how did you guys do that show? Yeah. I still get asked all the time and I'm yeah. not even in the camera world anymore. I remember back in the day, I had an audition for Parenthood and I went in there and it was me and Tommy Schlamy and Jason Kadams. And so I went in, I had it backwards and forwards memorized. I went in, I had, I did my thing and Jason Kadams goes, now do it like if it was Friday Night Lights, which means to me as an actor, I have room to paraphrase and make it my own. I don't have to be word perfect. And when I did that, Tommy Schlamy goes it's so much more realistic. I didn't wind right. up getting the job on Parenthood. I think I was literally brought you in as like a guinea pig. another job. <laughs> to like show them how it could be done. You know what I mean? It was like, show them how it's done. We're not going to actually cast you. But dance, show monkey, them dance. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you watch Parenthood, that's what they did with Parenthood. You know, it was very similar to Friday Night Lights. I don't know that they had as much freedom as we did on Friday Night Lights, but it was pretty close. But that takes a lot of swallowing of pride from a lot of different departments. And that's one of the things, as you were talking about earlier, there was a sense of ownership on Friday Night Lights from every department. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this was an actor's show. It was an actor's show. It was a wardrobe show. It was a camera operator show. Every department had freedom to make these decisions and added to what the 
overall artistic vision for the show was. It was a craft service show. You couldn't have made that show without those kick-ass craft service guys. (laughs) In general, I think it was just everyone took their egos out of it. And that's That's what what made it it work. It wasn't about one singular person in any department. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah, we've got such a wonderful legacy. And we ended it perfectly. Perfectly, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on the show. We loved having you. It's wonderful to see your faces. Thank you for including us. This was lovely. Keep up the good work. Guys, that's it for Season 3, Episode 8. But please join us next week for Season 3, Episode 9, entitled Game of the Week. But until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't Can't lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.